ever have those days when shit just doesn't work out? Like you're on your way to an important meeting and you run out of gas because your 78-year-old mother-in-law, who we'll call Betty, ate an entire pan of your special brownies the night before and subsequently went cruising along the I-90 looking for Pedro, the Puerto Rican arms dealer she matched with on Tinder. Or maybe you've listened to Alanis Morissette's song Ironic one too many times this week and you start thinking to yourself, what if I don't need a knife? What if 10,000 spoons would actually come in handy? Only to find out that you do in fact need a knife, but now all you have are these spoons and no yogurt. Well, those unlucky days are over thanks to Lucky Bastard Distillers. No matter what life throws at you, be it spoons or Betty's latest STD results, Rest assured, a generous swig of the old Lucky Bastard will have you in good spirits in no time. Lucky Bastard Distillers. When shit goes awry, reach for the bottle and get lucky. Betty did. Welcome back, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me again this Tuesday on our new post date of Tuesday. Welcome back to Wake Up With Jenny and Friends. I hope you had an amazing weekend and amazing week ahead. Very excited for this show. I have my buddies here, Rob and Darren from Divorced and Done. How are you guys? We're really good, Jenny. How are you doing? Fantastic. Amazing. Fantastic. That's great. I'm so excited to have you here. Uh, we've been chatting for a little while and you guys are doing some, some really amazing things and you've got your own podcast now started and going called Divorced and Done and that's out on all platforms. So I encourage people to check that out. But let's get into a little bit of introductions here let's uh have you guys introduce yourselves darren do you want to start rob you sure. want to start why don't we get rob starting okay sure hi i'm rob woodward i'm a divorce lawyer in calgary and darren and i we are doing our podcast we've been doing that now since may of last year and just recorded our hundredth episode Wow. darren and i thank you have known each other since law school, which was almost a decade ago. And we've exclusively practiced family law since that time. And what we're trying to do with our podcast is make family law and public legal education accessible, giving folks the tools to navigate a divorce, whether they can afford a lawyer or not, to make it a bit more quick and efficient with keeping their end goals in mind. Nice. Yeah, and I'm Darren. Um, I co-host the podcast with Rob. Uh, Rob and I have known each other now for over a decade, and the podcast is an extension of our discussions that we have. We're very close friends and work colleagues, despite not working together at the same firm, Rob being in Calgary, I being in the Okanagan in BC. We have had this running dialogue between ourselves about how do we handle these files? How do we handle difficult clients? How do we handle difficult judges? How do we handle complex legal issues? And the first person we each get in touch with is the other person on the line, which is us, right? So we just phone the other guy and go, hey, I got this thing. And sometimes those are two or three or five or 10 phone calls a day. I bet you we've had a 10 phone call day, Rob, that probably wouldn't be out of the ordinary, which sounds insane. But, um, <laughs> and it is in a way, in a way, but <laughs> basically it's, you know, in this practice area, you're dealing with people that have really challenging personal problems, uh, emotional problems, legal problems, and maybe it's an, it's a difficult opposing counsel or opposing party. And as the lawyer, if you don't have an outlet to bounce ideas off of, to discuss and work through the issues, Rob and I would say, you will go insane doing this. Yeah. And mm -hmm. we've unfortunately seen people in our world that we think probably have become, well, let's not say insane, but they've sort of lost touch with reality. <laughs> let's not diagnose them just yet. <laughs> yeah, let's not do that. <laughs> um, but people yeah. that are not well and not practicing mm -hmm. in, in the most efficient and best manner they could be. So that's us. And we, we decided, hey, let's, let's put this discussion instead of just on our phones, basically out to the public. And in doing so, we didn't really have a direction on the podcast at the outset, which is something any new podcaster, you know, you're told have a direction, like, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. And within the first few episodes, we, we found we were talking about these same principles, basically what we now call our steps. I'm sure we'll get into them uh, mm -hmm. later in the, in the program, but 
it, it also morphed a bit into using our steps because we were getting so many listener questions. So we were, we were fielding questions from the public. We, I was putting out some feelers on TikTok for people using that platform to send us questions. And lo and behold, people actually did send us questions, which at the outset, we were shocked that people would just type into their email and send us an email to our email, like basically their life story, not knowing who the heck we were or what we were going to talk about, how much we were going to reveal, what value they may get from the answers we give them on the air. And we got a ton of these questions and we just doing our hundredth episode, I tallied them roughly a little over 200 questions we've answered in oh, wow. the little over a year we've been doing it all for really nothing other than the, the joy of just bringing this conversation to people. So we've had a blast. And one of the great things about doing work like this is that we get to meet great people like, like you, you and I connected Jenny on yeah. TikTok, And so it's led to so many great other things, just putting ourselves out there. So we've had a total blast doing this and we're, we're really happy to join you and your folks in your neighborhood on the internet, because you're doing excellent work yourself. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate that. And I'm happy to have you here. And this is, this, I'm, I, I'm excited for this episode for a couple of reasons, because um, it's always great to talk to you guys. You guys are a wealth of knowledge and, and fun guys to hang around with. And it's always a good conversation. Um, and, and I have a, a, an eclectic audience, um, eclectic audience. And, and I think some of the things that we're going to talk about today, um, might seem a little bit, uh, different from our usual shows and usual guests, but will be so valuable, um, to a lot of listeners who may be going through a divorce or navigating some, making some life choices and, and what they need to do, or maybe, you know, have a friend or family member who's going some of, through some of these things and might pick up some, some tips or, um, you know, have some insight into things that they didn't before. So, uh, again, thanks for being here and uh, I really appreciate it. Before we started the show, um, Rob and I were talking a little bit about weather and being that you guys aren't in the same area. I know Rob, you were saying you just got some snow up in your, up in your area. Yeah. About a foot and a half in Calgary over the weekend, which is, is fine. We had a beautiful fall, so it had to end eventually, but it's just uh, ho holy smokes. I guess winter here is now. Winter is now here. Uh, fall is over. There you go. Absolutely. And Darren, what's the weather like up in uh, BC where you are? I was using my leaf blower with my t-shirt on. So <laughs> stick oh, that beautiful. in your pipe and smoke it, Rob. <laughs> Apparently, because it's it's not winter or it's not Halloween in Calgary, unless you have to wear a snowsuit under your costume when you go trick-or-treating. Oh, <laughs> so, yahoo. <laughs> Uh, yeah, the weather is, is certainly changing. It's 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 uh, it's crazy. We had a nice weekend here um, in Toronto, and um, and I think the rest of this week is going to be progressively uh, chillier as we go forward. So um, we'll see what the see what the winter holds. But um, <laughs> one of the things, and I want to talk a little bit about your uh, TikTok, Darren, because now do you two collab on the TikToks? Because I've only ever known it to be just yourself, Darren, for the, for the TikToks and, but yeah. do you collab on ideas about what to post for that TikTok? Because you, you've, and you've, you've garnered quite a, uh, a healthy, uh, audience and, and, um, uh, followers on, on your, on your platform there. Yeah. So, I mean, I would say I was probably the engine on the TikTok piece at the outset. So I jumped on after probably, thinking about doing some social media outreach through my practice for years mm -hmm. and just never put my toes in the water. And it was sort of, I want to say barrier or excuse after excuse after excuse could be time could be, I think it all probably comes back to some level of insecurity thinking that I don't actually have any value to offer anyone. Why on earth would I put myself on the internet mm -hmm. or just looking at yourself? Right. So that, you know, you watch enough video of yourself and you realize that's actually what I look like. And that's <laughs> yes. actually what I sound like. And that's a huge barrier to get over as someone that I guess you could call a creator of sorts. Like yeah. you, you put your face on the internet and you put your voice on the internet and then you, you sort of quickly realize this is who I am. Mm. And you sort of get real with yourself in a sense. And that can actually be very difficult. <laughs> so, um, but I think the other thing, the other barrier that I faced was there's not a precedent of 
hmm. TikTok creators, certainly in Canada, from the legal space, right? There's this, there's still this um, sense in our world, our professional world, that um, you don't do that. Like you mm -hmm. don't go on TikTok, mm -hmm. right? You, 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 you may at most write a blog that right. would be housed somewhere in the depths of your firm's website that maybe <laughs> one or two people may ever read. Probably a partner at the firm would vet it and right. feel really great that the associate wrote a blog and it would be stuffed away on the internet somewhere. Goes through multiple edits and no one wants to read it anyway. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. So, yeah. so, I mean, and Rob and I had had a running conversation about what, what does the 21st century look like for lawyers and, and mm -hmm. how do we actually engage with the public? So the TikTok piece for me was just, I think I'm kind of a, I think I'm kind of a creative person as uh, sort of cliche as that sounds like I, I like having fun. Mm -hmm. I like doing the videos and I like sort of when I started doing it, the instant sort of success, little bits of success that you'd have on that platform unlike other platforms, you know, I think you put a video on YouTube now, and I, I don't think it has the same sort of reach that you'd get on TikTok. So I loved what TikTok was doing. And I also loved that I was meeting other people on there, other creators like yourself and, you know, and you too, Jenny, I'm sure you found just by doing work on TikTok or other platforms, you start meeting other people in your neighborhood that you otherwise wouldn't have met. And so it just started snowballing. And then I, I was, early in my early TikTok days, probably this was January, February of 2021, I'd phone Rob and I'd go, Hey, I did this video and it got like 10,000 views. Like, isn't that yeah. fascinating? Like 10,000 people saw my face, even for a split second, like yeah. you should get on this and do it. And Rob started doing it for a little bit. We've had, um, various discussions about what that looks like collectively for our podcast, you know, and, and I've realized that, you know, on our TikTok feeds, really, unless you're offering people value, they're not really going to watch it. So we, we haven't done a lot of direct promotion of our podcast on there just because those videos tend to go pretty flat uh, because mm -hmm. people are, you, you either are educating them or you're entertaining them, or there's some blend of the two to make right. the video really worth someone's attention. And that's, I think the key to all of this is why are people giving you their attention? It's, it's really, it's not like 1955 where you had the newspaper, the radio, and, and maybe a TV, that would be a luxury back then in terms of how would I relax and consume content? You know, you have a bazillion different ways you can do it now. So I've continued with the, with the TikTok on, on my end, but I've really figured out, you know, what do people like? And oddly, it's mostly case summaries, me just sitting mm -hmm. and working through a family law case, talking about it. I'm not even offering my opinion on it at all. I just condensed the the, the facts and the judgment and people start commenting on it and, and away it goes. And it's led to a little community in my neighborhood of people that kind of watch my content. And, and I see the same names kind of pop up and these people and whether they're their real names or not, I have no idea, but they're from all over the place. And it's been a wild adventure, but that, Shorty that's hot pants. 27 is definitely yeah. <laughs> not, a, not a real name. <laughs> no, but I think that, that uh, was, the impetus for the podcast, right? Cause I sort of had a bit of a following at that juncture. And I said, let's leverage that. If we're going to do a podcast, let's leverage that. And some people came over to say, instead of watching a 30 second video, I'll, I'll give you 30 minutes of my attention. And you go, wow. Like the fact someone sits down and gives us 30 minutes of their time. There's mm -hmm. so many other ways they can do it. And so TikTok's been a great thing for us at the outset. And it's something I'm certainly going to continue doing. I know Rob's had different views on it. I think it'd be fair to say, and I'll turn it over to Rob. Rob's someone that's very cognizant of how he spends his time, right? So he's probably not one to say, I want to lose my attention on TikTok and go into a TikTok spiral in terms of just consuming content. He's a lot more intelligent <laughs> than I when it comes to that, because I gladly will do the spiral. But uh, to that end, Rob, why don't you talk about your views on these? Uh, no, I watch TikTok a few times and spend a few hours there. It's it's really easy to get sucked into that. To get lost, yeah. <laughs> I did a little bit of TikTok, had some success. Um, not like Darren, certainly not the same platform um, that he has built single-handedly. And I know in the Okanagan where he is, has done a fabulous job doing that. Um, I did some different pieces. I'm a magician. I did magic on there in addition to just talking about divorce pieces. Mm -hmm. But I think Darren 
has enjoyed building that more as an independent platform that's separate from what we're doing on the podcast, mm -hmm. even though they're both still sort of public legal education functions, um, where, as he says, as you said, Darren, the biggest piece, which has been great about doing the podcast, it's an opportunity for more engagement, a deeper dive, and for folks to hopefully get more from us. I mean, the biggest thing that I find shocking, both from your TikTok and mine, the amount of comments we get where people say, oh, your TikTok, it's really helping me in my divorce. I mean, that's great. But at the same time, I sort of go, how? We're talking about case summaries or, you know, I'm doing a pot shot about like this. This is the one section in the Family Law Act on spousal support or whatever. And it's narrow and you make a face and you get a whole bunch of comments and people are attacking each other in the comments. And it's very nice. <laughs> and, it, and it goes somewhere. Like, I'm glad people are making friends uh, in the comments there. And I know Darren at the beginning, but we don't spend too much time curating our comments or deleting or blocking people where things get too out of hand. But the big thing was people on there going, these TikToks have helped me so much. I've watched them all. We say, well, please send us questions that are more specific to your individual situation. And uh, hopefully we can continue to give you more information that you find helpful so that in our number one goal, really, it's not a secret. There's no magic sauce. There's no special trick to resolving high conflict or different difficult interpersonal issues mm -hmm. it's take a deep breath how can we think through these things systematically and really focus on the end goal and not having a shangri-la battle with the goal of saying i've absolutely won scorched earth you opposing party you my former romantic partner have lost that's not the goal and i think darren we've talked about this a few times done a really good job in building a larger community of folks that are more resolution-minded and more are more interested in moving forward. And as I know we haven't released it yet, Jenny, having you on our show talking about the work that you've done professionally, and I don't want to jump ahead, but I think you as a professional in that similar vein, just saying, how can we get moved forward with our lives and yeah. be better for ourselves and not stuck in a fight or as Darren, as you always say, making your divorce a part of your identity. And if someone has gotten the impetus for moving forward from TikTok, from our podcast, from whatever, fabulous. Yeah, I love that. And and I think it, most oftentimes people don't realize that it can be a lot simpler than we anticipate to the process because absolutely sometimes we have this narrative in our head that it's it's like what we see on TV, right? It's like we've got to attack the other sides and we've got to, it has to be this so drawn out dramatic thing. And it's like, you know, when we were in school, when I was in the law program, we, you know, everything that we well there was a push to sort of say hey if you can settle settle <laughs> settle 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 and it feels like you know absolutely get, get that little jim carrey moment from liar liar settle settle <laughs> <laughs> you know so yeah it, you know things don't always need to be that complicated but i think you hit the nail on the head too darren when you said that um what you try to do with your videos and you sort of a 30 second a one minute videos is do sort of the Coles note version of a case, which th that I feel is really helpful for people because sometimes, you know, to try to interpret the law can be very confusing and, and uh, use a lot of bits and pieces for a lot of people. Um, and, and nobody really wants to sit and, you know, read through tons of, of, of case summary and, and you know, uh, and cases that are out there. So uh, and precedents and all of that. So for you to compact it and put, you know, sort of a, here's the case, here's what happens. This is what the decision was, uh, you know, and this sort of nice little neat little package, I think is a great, um, a great way to reach people and, and gets people, you know, when they're watching your videos on a regular basis, gets them into the, you know, the mindset of sort of, okay, this is kind of, how things go and it's maybe not as complicated or um not not as as involved as i originally thought and canadian law is different from american law the way we practice and every country is different too but it's good to have those those summaries and what i love that you're doing lately is injecting a little bit more humor uh, yes. into some of your <laughs> into some of your videos which i really like because it, it's uh 
humor humor is i always love to add humor to everything i do so and it's definitely something i i, I bring to uh to my clinic for sure but um so i'm happy to see that too and and i love that you you both mentioned something um unique in that it's the creative the creative aspect that you like the creativity so whether it's doing a funny TikTok or whether it's doing um something different like um the podcast or your your magic um you know i've said this a million times but i'm a firm believer that people are allowed to have lives outside their careers um mm -hmm. so maybe talk a little bit about um some of your hobbies and some of the things that you like to do outside of law and then maybe we'll jump back into some of these um, really important steps that you that you include um in in divorce and done sure so um I was, uh, was raised in Southern Alberta and uh, spent most of my life there, did my law school in Calgary, and then started the first few years of my practice there, and then moved back to Southern Alberta, uh, Lethbridge, and met my now wife. Um, we actually met on Tinder, believe it or not. That's Get uh, out of town. You swiped left? I guess. <laughs> it's been a while since I used the platform, but... Uh, Is it swipe left or swipe right? I don't know. I forget now, but... Um, <laughs> Actually, I'm I a... want to jump on that point, Darren, uh, not not to pull this story out. Both of you weren't on there very long before you met each other and decided you were going to lock it in. Well, the interesting thing about that is that Lethbridge is a community of maybe maybe 100,000 people. So it's a smaller city and the the pool is not very deep, if you will, <laughs> on a platform like that. So... <laughs> I'm not sure that's entirely a compliment for you. <laughs> But uh, there, there was there was one prize. There Before was one there's prize an extra divorce it. happening this yeah. year. <laughs> no. So, I mean, I'm my just... criteria as someone, you know, with my background was, you know, I wanted to find someone that thought higher education was yep. uh, something to be valued, mm -hmm. someone that I could connect with intellectually, but also someone, you know, at that point I was fairly physically active. I've done multiple marathons, full marathons and uh, my wife got me introduced into hiking. So we would go down to Waterton Park uh, and Glacier National Park in Montana because we were, it was about equidistant from Lethbridge. So we spent a lot of time there and I got introduced into skiing through her and, and hiking. And we ended up finally, when we got married, we did a two week trek through Nepal. That was our honeymoon. Oh, wow. um, nice. And so a big part of my physical fitness and uh, connection to the natural world, if you will, is now hiking. And I wouldn't have ever imagined myself being someone who would have enjoyed that sort of thing, but I now love it. We spend a lot of time doing it. Um, and then in the wintertime skiing and, and actually curling, I've curled for the last 10 years. I got into it in, oh, wow. in law school and it's something where, you know, if, if you had a team sport background, I would say anyone listening to this, particularly men, and you're, you're the sort of person that maybe you played hockey. I did as a, as a young man, not very well, but I did it. And something I could pick up as an adult, you know, your ice times are like midnight, some nights, mm, in, middle mm -hmm. of the week. And you end up getting people coming to these events that think they're still, um, NHL draft eligible and they're not. <laughs> and so they take it way too seriously. Right. That could be, that could be basketball too. Like I played men's basketball right. and, and, and I'm getting elbowed in the face at midnight and I'm going, I got to go to court in the morning. Like I'm not doing this. So, yeah. um, curling, it was a great way to sort of have team sport without the unnecessary burden of competition. Like it's yep. still competitive. The two hours go by really quickly and it mm -hmm. can be quite physical. So, um, and there's always people wanting people to join their team at curling clubs these curling clubs across Canada in particular, they need members to keep going. So mm -hmm. this is my little shout out to uh, anyone thinking of curling. You really need no experience. I started with none. This is my 10th year. I've been skipping a team now for the last couple of years. We don't win a lot. We always go and have a beverage after the game together and celebrate mm -hmm. win, loss, or tie. So that that's a great way for me to spend my time as well through the winter. But uh, I prattled on enough. I, I want everyone to hear about Rob's expertise in magic because i saw it when he came out to visit me at thanksgiving so to I, you I rob, rob I'll just, yeah I'll, before you start i'll just tell sure. a, little, a little quick story of a, a bring up curling for me curling was a dangerous sport i broke uh, my arm curling <laughs> okay yes my goodness 
I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> no, no, it was through my own stupidity. I, I, it was, we were learning curling in high school and I just thought I would be, you know, go out there with all the confidence and just get on the ice. And for anybody who's not been curling before, you don't, you don't wear skates or anything. They're, they're shoes that you wear on the ice and it's still slippery. <laughs> yes. And I went out there with all the confidence in the world. Like I was some Uh-oh. pro and then slipped and fell on the ice and was so embarrassed that I slipped and fell on the ice. I got up so fast. Oh I got no. Dizzy, oh no. And it was the second fall that broke my heart. Oh no. Oh my goodness. So I was literally twice a loser. So I, maybe I see I do see people fall and I did my first year. Nothing as serious as you as you described, but I should I should be clear then. Yeah, like it's not without some risk. So someone's not like someone will not elbow you in the face, but you could right. certainly fall, right? There's some, there is some risk. Right. I, my first year I fell sliding out of the hack probably a half dozen times, right? So you're, you're almost on the, the ice itself when you're falling over, but you're still like my backside would be bruised and I'd yeah. be limping around some, some days afterwards and people like, what happened to you? And it's like, I went curling. Yeah. And I felt like mostly I fell. my ego that was bruised. right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For a sport that's, that's sponsored by predominantly toilet paper and Tim Hortons. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's rough. It's yeah. Rough. Well, maybe you can take us down a magical journey and for, and we can forget about all that, but, uh, uh, no, I also curled a little bit. Uh, I think it was before law school. I, I was in a greenhorn league very briefly. I, <laughs> I don't even remember if I've talked about this with Darren and I, uh, I hurt myself so many times. Someone suggested to me, maybe this isn't for you. So <laughs> that was, even though I appreciate Darren's uh, accolades and encouragement for everyone to do some participation there <laughs> and get out on the curling yeah. rink. Um, but uh, that I, it's a positive thing. No, my interests outside of the law, um, I put myself through school doing magic as a performing magician. I've done that for about 20 years which has been wonderful. And it's something I still enjoy. I don't perform as much as I used to, um, but it's, it's something that's fun and enjoyable. And if you can find it on my TikTok, there are some videos there uh, of me doing that. I've never actually directly involved it in my practice, but it's been funny along the way in doing this, the amount of clients I've gotten from other magicians or people are like, oh, I was looking at some other lawyers, but I really liked that you were a magician. What that has to do with doing law and doing what we do, I don't know. Yeah. But uh, it, you know what? Whatever gets folks in the door. And if people find something appealing, that's fantastic. Outside of that, um, I, Darren, as he told you, we talk on the phone probably with each other seven to 10 hours a week. So I guess in addition to the podcast, just talking to each other is sort of a hobby. Yeah. Um, my family, for the most part, my parents and sibling and a significant other, we're all here in Calgary. So we do lots of family time and lots of those pleasant things. Of course, once it snows, we ski, we like to golf in the summer, all those bits and pieces, but the legal practice keeps us all busy. So there you go. Before ever... we, yeah. oh, sorry, sorry, Jenny. Before Rob skirts from his magic, um, yeah, background. Uh, I don't know if uh, you were hoping to get a sponsorship on this program from Krispy Kreme Donuts, but oh. I, I want Rob to tell the Krispy Kreme Donuts <laughs> magic story. Please do. Oh well, this this story, holy smokes, it is almost an antique because it is twenty years old. Uh, when Krispy Kreme first came to Canada. Uh, and you might remember Jenny came into Ontario around 2003 because I went to yeah. I went to high school in Windsor. They they opened one Krispy Kreme and it was in Mississauga and it was the biggest. There was a lineup around the block. It was a huge deal. Yeah. And Krispy Kreme was great. It expanded really quickly all over North America. They debt financed very quickly. <laughs> Unfortunately, that was 2003, 2004, and 2005, the Atkins craze started. Mm. And everyone said, maybe I shouldn't be eating a 600 calorie donut. <laughs> um, but myself and some other magicians, I guess this is my big claim to fame. Darren loves this story. I performed with some other, I guess it would have been in high school, some other magicians at an opening of a Krispy Kreme. Uh, and to pay people, they were giving us donuts. So I said, that's, that's not right. 
And they said, well, you can request anywhere up to 50 dozen donuts, you know, 50 dozen donuts. That's yeah. 600 donuts. So I thought I'd get a card or something and it would be a a lifetime supply of donuts, which I guess that the timeline that Krispy Kreme was in Canada wouldn't have been very long, but it was not a, uh, was not a card, was not uh, doled out over time. It was a lump sum. So I went and at the, at the appointed day, got the 600 donuts, ended up giving <laughs> most of them away. But uh, uh, that is the story Darren loves the most. The no, stupid, no. Yeah. I, I did card tricks. It was weird. It was, I, I, I don't want to get into that. Do it, do it magic tricks. This was actually, I, I don't want to disparage Krispy Kreme because I love them. They're great. Mm-hmm. I was 16, I think. Doing magic at the opening of a donut shop was weird. Sorry. It was was nice to be there. It was a weird experience. Uh, It was 20 minutes, whatever. The 600 donuts are what make it worth it and what makes the story worth telling again. But there you go. Oh my gosh. You, you didn't go, you, I want to see a donut disappear and then shove the whole thing in your mouth and go, whoa. <laughs> no, no, we, we, we tried to be a little bit better than that, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, maybe the quality of it, maybe that would have been more entertaining. I don't know. Just, you know, forget the magicians, just have some competitive donut eaters. That's all people want to see anyway. <laughs> like awesome. Uh, if we had only filmed it back then. Absolutely not. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of film, have you have you ever seen the um, the curling movie Men with Brooms? I have many years ago. Yeah. I actually forget the plot. I'm really bad at remembering movies, but um, it's a that... can- Canadian film that was fil- actually filmed at the cur- curling club in Brampton, um, ah. down in Ontario. And Paul Gross, the director. Anyways, it's like one of my favorite movies. It's a good movie. I mean, oh it's, good. Yeah. It's, anyways, just I'll have to check it out. Again. Leslie yeah. Nielsen. Yes. Not oh to be God. confused with Liam Neeson. Liam Neeson. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we've done we, we've that had that podcast. problem before. <laughs> the taken guy? No. The naked gun guy. Yes, he took all our curling equipment. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, well, let's get into, um, you guys have developed sort of this, this really simple system for people to to navigate getting through the divorce process and you you call it your divorced and done uh six-step process yes am i saying that right yes okay so why don't you take us through a little bit about, about that how you came up with that and maybe go through maybe we could go through some or all of the steps Sure. So uh, I'll start and then I'll, I'll turn it over to Rob when I tire as I work through the sure. steps. But okay. um, the genesis of our thoughts around the steps was a couple years in the making. And it was this idea that we don't want interesting. And what I mean by that is Rob and I actually don't want interesting work. Mm. When we say that, it's not that we're discounting anyone's divorce on an individual level, but we realized not only did we not want interesting, what I, what I really mean by that is the crazy file that has all sorts of wrinkles mm-hmm. that must be litigated where there's a, a nutbag opposing party and a crazy other lawyer and it's, it's been seized by a crazy judge and mm-hmm. everyone's upset and, and it's just the slobber knocker divorce of the century, right? But <laughs> we realized quickly that really isn't efficient it isn't something that we enjoyed doing. We enjoyed completing people's divorces. And we realized that people too, for the most part, don't want their divorce to be interesting. Like who wants their divorce to be interesting other than really a small portion of people. And we see a bit of that now online. And maybe we can come back to that later, this notion Mm of uh, how do you divorce your narcissist and all all that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. I think there's some, maybe some mis-messaging going on, but Rob and I discussing this saying, who in the world wants an interesting divorce? And we as lawyers don't want it to be interesting either. So how do we condense this in a way so that people can be done as quickly and efficiently as possible? And so that's where we started coming up with how would you move through a divorce process sequentially, not from a my brain's gone off like a shotgun and it's esoteric and nuanced and all that sort of stuff, but actually moving through it piece by piece, bit by bit. And the steps that we'll go through, or perhaps I'll turn it over to Rob to go through are nothing more than what we call corollary relief Mm -hmm. in our divorce act. So these are the things 
that if you're getting a divorce order, if you're married and you want to get divorced, you have to complete all of these things anyway. They're not packaged like this in the Divorce Act. We've extracted the, the pieces from the Divorce Act that need to be solved. And we're recommending that people address them sequentially and go through the process. And part of that as well is not that the steps, again, the, the, there's nothing brilliant to them. It's just the corollary relief. And we're, we're saying go through it in order. But it also, as we say, it orients people in their process. So the, instead of you know someone coming to us at the outside of a fi file and going, I've just separated from my ex. I think Rob just used this on our on our podcast the other day. Perhaps it's a it's a man, the, the husband's coming in and saying, I've just separated from my ex. We're both still living in the house. We have two kids. Um, but how do I avoid spousal support? Right. And so maybe there's some other things at the front end of that that you need to worry about instead of is spousal support going to fly out of my jeans, right? Like, right. are you going to start living in two separate homes? Where are your kids then going to live? And how are you going to figure out child support as a priority over spousal support? Mm. And so it helps people go, instead of worrying about this thing that isn't actually urgent, where am I now? And where do I have to turn my attention to next? And maybe to that end, Rob, maybe if I missed anything on the the arc of this, the idea of it, all those things, um, you can add to that certainly, but maybe the steps themselves. Well, as Darren likes to say, you know, custom, unique, and special is great. Uh, we're, we're not building Ferraris here. We're, we're yeah. turning out Ford Focuses. <laughs> the notion, everyone who gets divorced, uh, absolutely, stories are unique. The reason your marriage fell apart maybe unique to you. There's lots of reasons that can happen. But in Canada, we have a no-fault divorce system, which really means, thank you, the story is important, but it's not important for what we have to solve. And anyone getting divorced, no matter who you are, no matter what part of the country, no matter how much money you have or don't have, the children you have or don't have, the issues you have to solve are the same. So we've structured them such that we've categorized them theoretically from the hardest to hopefully the easiest. And it starts at step one, which is being separate and apart. You can't get divorced in Canada unless you're separate and apart for one year. And legally, you can be separate and apart in the same house, but we don't encourage that because if you both get lawyers, you both start sending nasty letters to each other saying, uh, I, I'm telling you to, it's Darren, I like to say, put what, where, or whatever <laughs> nasty, wonderful comment. That's really hard to do if you're both living in the same house. Mm -hmm. And also you can't have mental peace necessary to work through these same issues if you're on top of each other's toes. So number one, be separate and apart and everyone is safe. And by saying everyone is safe, that solves any immediate safety issues. And of course, there are situations where there can be imminent concerns of domestic violence mm -hmm. or other pieces. We would deal with that up front. But before we get to the crux of your divorce, everyone is separate and apart and safe. Then step two, the most important people in your divorce. It's not you and your ex. It's your kids. And where are they going to live? And most people spend a ton of time at step two. If there are children, and particularly younger children, and folks can't work toward even some sort of interim resolution on where those children are going to be, expect to spend a lot of time there. And that may ultimately call for court intervention. Of course, we don't encourage it. And as we like to say to most folks, if they can come to us and say, yeah, we've sort of worked out our parenting problems, we kind of have something we like that's sort of working, might not be permanent forever, but we're making it work. Congratulations. You've probably saved yourself twenty to $30,000 through not having a protracted parenting fight. After that's done, then it's setting child support. And there can be intricacies on that, broadly speaking, depending on what your parenting structure looks like and how much money everyone is making. But child support is set by guideline, which comes out of our legislation. So those calculations aren't very hard to say who pays what to whom. So that's usually a pretty straightforward step. Then number four, we deal with all of your stuff. And we know most divorce files, even though Darren and I both know hard-boned litigators who go, oh, I'm dealing with this million-dollar file. How often do you deal with a million-dollar file? Well, let me tell you, 
every file on our desk is a million dollar file because someone owns a house. You have a couple cars. Maybe there's a business, some other pieces. So then we're going to work through your stuff. And that includes debt, whether people have lots or not. Then spousal support. And spousal support is more of a contextual analysis based on where children are, based on what we've done with the stuff. And then sixth, once we've solved the spousal support piece, is actually getting your divorce judgment from court. And that's the easiest part of the whole thing, because by working through those six steps, each one successively building on the other, when we get to the end, we can either write an agreement or craft a judgment from a court that operates appropriate for you based on the decisions you've made with your ex, hopefully, and some degree of cooperation to build something that will last. Then we submit those doc divorce documents to court. That's largely an administrative procedure and you're divorced and done. Mm -hmm. Darren, did I miss anything there? No. And I mean, the thing on our podcast, I think that's been one of the more interesting things is we, we would start fielding questions and this is not to disparage TikTok, but the, the nature of the question we would get would be my, basically the question would be my divorce is so unique. Here's all the weird things that are going on. And we would acknowledge that, but at the same time say, where are you in steps? So we would sort of almost march people back through our steps, right. whether they liked it or not. And right. maybe we've lost listeners because of that. But the arc of this podcast, the long-term goal of it is we know that the steps work because mm -hmm. we've done this long enough to see it work. We know that interesting doesn't work for most people. So most people don't need that Ferrari. They need the Ford Focus. Mm -hmm. And we're now getting feedback from our listeners. Like they'll actually package their question in terms of, I'm on step two, but what am I doing at step three? Or they'll say, they'll even say, you know, I, what do I do about spousal support, but they haven't addressed all the prior steps. And so we'll bring them back and go, well, that's great. You have a question about spousal support, but what about parenting time, child support and dividing your property and debt? Let's talk about that before we talk about your spousal support. And so, um, it's been a fun year and a half testing it out on our podcast, but also implementing it, I think more firmly in both of our practices. I think both Rob and I, certainly I do when I'm consulting with possible new clients, we're talking, I'm talking about the steps with them and, and more often than not their eyes light up and they go, someone's talking to me at a human level about working through this really challenging, scary thing in a sequential way that really makes a lot of sense to me that I, I really like that. Right. And so we, we think it works. We, and we think it works quite well. And, and we've been pleased with the feedback we've gotten from the people that we've, we've engaged on that process. Yeah. It sounds really solution focused and it's good that you have these structured steps to sort of, as you say, you know, maybe rein people back in instead of, you know, trying to think of all the problems that they're going through and that they're having and, and really, you know, getting into the emotional pieces and, and thinking that those are the big pieces that matter when you when you have these steps set out and you have someone, you know, on their side that's thinking logically like you both do to sort of rein them back in and say, okay, I, I get this, this is overwhelming, it's stressful, it's all of those things and, and feel your feels and be in that moment for, for a minute, but but here's the reality of the situation. And these are the things we need to look at and the, and the pieces we need to complete and, and, you know, really solving these problems. So it sounds really, really solution-based. And, and the other thing that I, I want to mention and bring up, cause I don't want it to be overlooked is, is Rob that you mentioned, you know, when you, when you go through these steps and you really look at things piece by piece and you, can manage to come to some sort of agreement, um, you know, the two parties before or a party or whatever, before they come to speak with you, whether it be about um, finances or children or whatever, that they're going to save themselves, you know, twenty, thirty thousand dollars And I think that's a great point to, to emphasize here because uh, I, I don't know if you two are aware of this, but um, the lawyers don't always have the greatest reputation. Um, right. <laughs> well, absolutely well aware. There's, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you may have heard a few jokes or seen some memes around about lawyers and, you know, dragging things out and wanting your money and all this stuff. And and while that very well may be the case in some areas, and I'm sure some of those um, individuals do exist there, it's important for people and especially for this audience um, to know that there are lawyers like yourselves who that is not your driving focus. That is not you're not going after you know, people looking for people to drag things out in court. 
um, to rake in all this money. You have a, a vested interest in getting people through the process relatively unscathed, through the legal process, you know, through these six steps that you've um, sort of extracted from the system and, and made really easy, easy to understand and accessible to people. Um, and, and, and the, the, the mindset there is to, if I can say is, is to not waste people's time and money and to be able to help them to move forward and move past the divorce. So yes, you're divorced lawyers, but you're, you're also having a vested interest in helping people move on forward with their lives and not just stay in their divorce mindset. That's exactly right. Uh, we know the average divorce. Well, show's takes... done. That's right. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> average divorce takes one to two years, yeah. and regardless, even if we have people that are almost in perfect agreement, mm. we'd still have to go back and forth on some pieces, and that can take up to a year. So it's really having that focused intentionality. Where are we? What needs to be solved? And it's not our job as lawyers to get in the way of people. Because we see all too often lawyers that throw their own ideas into the mix or bring other things that do create roadblocks. And Darren and I, I think now that we've practiced long enough, we're getting to the point where you can sense when it's not the other party, the other person getting divorced, that is really the pushback. It's maybe the other lawyer. Mm -hmm. And so hopefully we try to by being as solutions focused uh, and as efficient as possible to bring people through those pieces and get them to the end as quickly as we can. Because we know from a business perspective, people, if we can get you divorced, if it's cheaper, if it's faster, if we didn't have an adversarial relationship with you, mm. you'll tell your friends about us or you'll call us again. God forbid you get divorced again in the future. And that's what we like. You know, we just want to help. Mm -hmm. Do you think you would ever um, do a side hustle where you would actually officiate weddings? And would that be like too much of a conflict of interest? Or... <laughs> I laugh because Rob's done this. <laughs> I've done <laughs> I've done at least uh, two or three weddings now. And, and in Alberta, <laughs> uh, I, I love doing weddings. Actually, you know what, Jenny? I can say this now. Anyone listening to this, and I, I can't say this to my clients because they'd stare at me. Uh, like I did have a problem. It is my dream to divorce someone and then officiate at a subsequent wedding. <laughs> Will I ever get that privilege? I don't know. But that that is the dream. Uh, well, you should connect with Kim Kardashian because she's had a few. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a few marriages and divorces. <laughs> well, to that end, I mean, Rob and I have talked about, can you imagine being a divorce lawyer for... The, the rich and famous, right? So yeah. the, the, that sort of client isn't interested in no. uh, Ford Focus, right? They want no, to they, they don't they want to talk to us. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but I mean, that, that, coming back to your point of Jenny, the, the notion that lawyers don't have the greatest reputation because of a perception that mm -hmm. they are more interested in putting billable hours on the sheet than they are in resolving the file. I I speak for both Rob and I, I mean, our greatest stress from our job comes from our own clients, not because most of them aren't great people, but because certainly early in our careers, we would look at how much we were billing on a monthly basis and saying to ourselves, holy cow, like that's a lot for what we're doing. Mm -hmm. And it's taken some time to feel comfortable in those shoes, I guess those billing shoes, if you will, saying, you know, we are worth this. Um, we are trying to help. We're not creating problems. We're trying to find solutions. Mm -hmm. But I mean, for anyone listening to this, the notion of really quick and easy, maybe magic solutions to your legal problems, like our steps aren't an easy fix. Mm -hmm. They will they will smooth things out, but there is certainly going to be a cost to your divorce. Sure, whether you absolutely. use a lawyer, whether you don't use a lawyer, you know, th there are going to be costs, whether they're um, actual costs, whether they're emotional costs, whether they're ancillary costs, you're engaging third-party service providers like therapists, counselors, or a host of other people that can really help you through the process. There, There is going to be costs associated with it. And, you know, Rob and I were just commenting on this, I believe on a recent podcast, you know, your wedding costs about 30,000 on average, your divorce doesn't have to cost $30,000, but it's not going to cost 
twenty dollars, yeah. which is our our outro song from our <laughs> right. our friends Playboy Man Baby out of Phoenix. They sing the brilliant song Twenty Dollar Divorce, which is a <laughs> right. um about seeing legal advice on the side of a van in, in Arizona and going, let's get a twenty dollar divorce. You and pitch you in get a free bucks. bucket of chicken too with it. So. Yeah, exactly. Right. So that's, that, a, that's that... a lot of value. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly, yes. Yeah. Absolutely. No, that's absolutely. And, 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 but you've really created sort of a guided step process, which I think is, is um, really valuable to people, mm -hmm. which is great. So I love that. Um, so I thought just before, you know, we're getting close to the, to the end of the show, I thought we'd pay, play a little bit of a fun game if you two are up for it called Legal or Not Legal. Sure. Are you Rob, ready? you in? Absolutely. I have six questions here. Um, start with the first one. Here we go. Setting your ex's car on fire, legal or not legal? One of us may have actually dealt with this issue. Uh, so I'm going to, I'm going to pass this to Darren. <laughs> I have. So <laughs> not on a, not on a personal level, but a professional level. Yes. Um, it was a first, perhaps it'll be the last, but the, Without revealing too many details, the ex-spouse created a bomb. They had some knowledge about how to make a bomb. And and uh, this person threw it at his new spouse's car while my client's children were with him and his new oh, spouse. No. So he was on Yikes. basically tearing relationship number two apart. And, you know, what does happen is certainly the police would get involved. I think it would result in a charge of mischief at minimum, if not you know, attempted mm -hmm. assault and all, mm -hmm. all, all those sort, sort of bits and pieces. Like we're not criminal lawyers, but it would result in probably the police charging you with some degree of serious indictable offenses. But more often than not, you know, what, what is actually more damaging is having child and family services mm -hmm. involved, right? Because mm -hmm. now they're going to get involved because the children were privy to this. They were present. Maybe they witnessed it directly or not. Uh, it doesn't have to be something like lighting a car on fire. It could be any sort of mischief, punching a hole in the wall, um, right. ripping a door off, you know, any sort of angry outburst where there's oh children God. involved, mm -hmm. the government will get involved. Does it mean they're going to apprehend the children and put them in foster care? No, but will they open a file and will that have a cascading effect on your divorce file? Absolutely. And it's not going to look great. And if someone goes to jail, you mean you can jump through the steps pretty fast then. So yeah. well, there you go. I mean, <laughs> Maybe an upside. Who knows? Uh -huh. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Question number two: Legal or not legal? Putting X lax in your coworker's coffee? Legal or not legal? Wait, was, did did the coworker ask you to do this? <laughs> there's like no, I'm having there's a no other evidence day. at play here. There's just the single question. <laughs> okay. Uh, Darren, you're more of an employment lawyer than I am. I, I think that. That might have some issues for you in your career and with your coworkers if you're, you know, have, having that sort of party at work. I think the, I think the key thing here is if it's discovered, right? right. So if it's not discovered, then the uh, result would never be known other than the, the person went to the bathroom a whole lot, uh, presum presumably, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But um, I think intentionally putting... Uh, substances in someone's uh, consumables like their drinks. I, I would avoid that. I think, yeah. Rob, you'd share my concerns. <laughs> Generally, yes. Right. Yeah. Okay, question number three. Signing your divorce papers under the name Captain Underpants. Legal or not legal? <laughs> um, per the rules of the Law Society, if your government-issued photo ID says <laughs> Captain Underpants, You've introduced us to Captain Underpants. Uh, introduced yourself to us as Captain Underpants. Who, who are we to say you are not Captain Underpants? <laughs> yeah, I. We've I done our due diligence. What what more is there to do? I haven't <laughs> seen a lot of that though. Like no. I haven't, in in all seriousness, I haven't seen a lot of bizarre name changes in my practice where I've met someone. Maybe it's not Captain Underpants. It's um, well, I recall a significant other like Mister or Mrs. Underpants. I recall, uh, the, the, as an off, as an aside here, like the, uh, pastafarian people like a decade ago uh -huh. that were putting the yes. pasta pants on their head, the, <laughs> the colanders and taking their ID pictures and in, in Oregon and the Northwest and just assuming these bizarre identities <laughs> and, and, 
uh, cloaking it through the lens of some constitutional provision in the U.S., like it's my freedom of expression oh or whatever. And um, so forget no, about it. <laughs> forget about yeah, exactly. But I mean, doing your doing your divorce, you have you will be divorced in the name of whoever you are at that at that juncture. So if, again, you're Captain Underpants. That's cool. Cool. Enjoy. Yeah. <laughs> Question number four: Wearing a divorced and done T-shirt to a wedding. Legal or not legal? I hope someone does. We we need we need good marketing so bad. But yeah. Like like we only have like three of these t-shirts. <laughs> you have one. I have like two of them. So we um yeah, we have <laughs> thoughts about our t-shirts. Um uh-huh. I just I just printed some. I, I think the thought of someone wearing one to a wedding, I think that'd be very clever. And I would hope it would generate some uh sincere discussion of amongst the attendees of the wedding about why they're wearing it and other <laughs> things. And maybe it's just a friendly reminder. Like we hope this wedding goes well. We hope this union goes well. Mm-hmm. You don't need to be submitting a question to divorced and done through lawyers talking about divorce at gmail.com. <laughs> we hope your wedding goes well. We, that, we that's right. You never talk to us, right? <laughs> Unless they take out their phones and send us a voicemail to speakpipe.com slash divorced and done. There you go. <laughs> Question number five, wearing shorts and Crocs to court when representing a client you don't like, legal or not legal? I can speak to that personally. <laughs> uh, Darren and I, through the pandemic, uh, we we did a lot of court on Zoom and through remote access processes like this. Uh, both Darren and I would always dress appropriately for court, but I particularly, I have one colleague who takes great joy and wearing shorts and flip-flops with the suit up top and even meets with people in the office in person this way. Like, I, I, I don't know if he's certain that when, when he's walking around, people can see you in the shorts and the flip-flops. You, you can do it. And lots of people have. We actually got a warning from our court uh, in Alberta to please, if you're you're logging into court from your condo or there's a kitchen behind you, please clean your kitchen. Um, please wear a shirt. Please don't log into court from your bed. We saw that a few times. Like, like hello, I'm here in court, but I don't want to get out of bed. Like, <laughs> you, you can, but should you? So, legal, absolutely. I have on that point, just quickly. I, I, I So, maybe five years ago, I was working what I thought was a desk day just at my office. I, I wasn't going to have a court appearance. And I will not wear a suit to work if I'm not going to court or really meeting with a client or doing anything substantive. Uh, I tend to wear jeans and like a button up shirt, a golf shirt, something like that, like business casual, casual, right? Um, mm-hmm. Cause I've just found that that works well for me and my clients. It's more who I am and I feel better wearing that. Right. Um, so in this particular day, I, I had someone walk in off the street and I took the the meeting and explain, you know, I'm in my golf shirt, whatever, fine. And there was an urgent issue. This, this man needed a protection order. So mm-hmm. away we went, walked down the street to the courthouse, helped him fill out the affidavit form in the courthouse, wearing my jeans and golf shirt. And the clerk said, yep, you're going to be in courtroom too upstairs. Great. Walked upstairs. I'm sitting here. I'm totally prepared to explain to the judge. This is why I'm dressed like this. This is not this is not my regular appearance clearly. So he starts. And sometimes I would start my, um, address to the court by saying, hello, my name's Mr. Schmidt. And he, the judge looked at me at what I was wearing and stopped me and said, your, (laughs) your first name is Mr. (laughs) And I was like, what? <laughs> you're gr- I'm like thinking you're, you're grinding my gears about a formal address to the court, and then then he was like, "You're wait, you're a lawyer," and like kept kept like interrupting me, and it just we got the protection order, but it was just this whole to do, and I think the judge was just having fun with me. But, yeah. Um, yeah, you should have asked the clerk to borrow a jacket, like going to a fancy restaurant. So, oh, sorry, do you have a do you have a forty four long? Yeah. <laughs> you you should have said, "I wore this ridiculous thing." For you, <laughs> yeah. a little my cousin Vinny. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, final question. This is a big one. Fist pumping opposing counsel and saying sorry about your luck 
when they lose the case. Mm. Legal or not legal? <laughs> I would say, you know, this is one of the things you learn early on. And it's, it's, <laughs> it, you may like, there's other lawyers, I've particularly lawyers of my age group, right? Maybe a bit younger, where you have those more informal discussions with. And it's not uncommon to go into a barrister's lounge at a courthouse. When I say barrister's lounge, it's not like a bar. It's like where you change, right? It's, it's almost like a locker room. Mm -hmm. And there might be a little kitchenette in there. It's as old as the courthouse is. So it's it, we're not talking luxury. We're talking this is a place where the lawyers will come in, take their winter coats off, put their um, gown on if they're gowning for the day and kind of come in and out of the room. Are you thinking but, of the Fort McMurray lounge? I was actually never in the Fort McMurray lounge, oh, uh, oh. the barrister's lounge it, there, but, uh, but all right, never mind. We're, we're not going to go off on that path. <laughs> I'll, I'll let you address that place. Cause maybe it's really nice, yeah. but um, it's not uncommon to see lawyers sitting in the lounge, particularly uh, criminal lawyers. So defense lawyers and prosecutors around the same age, I've seen this where they're really joshing each other about yeah. what's going on. And so like, you know, it's, you'll hear them say, you, you know, how bad your, your, your witness is lying, right? Like, you know, and, and, <laughs> and there's sort jabs. of this ch chuckling around and then, the, or, or the lawyers will often be commenting, like, I got this case and I got judge so-and-so and then everyone's eyes roll and gasp and go, you got judge so-and-so for this matter. Oh my God, good luck to you. Sort of a thing. It's a job where having friendships is really important mm -hmm. between you and your peers, because if you don't have those friendships and you actually have enemies on the other side, it can make it really difficult. I've had a number of really, uh, not, not a lot, but a few really bad experiences with other lawyers and it's made the file that much more difficult. Mm -hmm. So if you actually are able to get to the stage where you can fist bump and joke with your friend, as we call them friend on the other side of the mm -hmm. file, <laughs> That would actually be a really good thing. We wouldn't want the clients seeing that sort of a thing. Yeah. But if we if we actually had that camaraderie with each other, I think that'd be a really good thing. But Rob, what are your thoughts? No, I completely agree. I think I addressed this once on the podcast. Darren and I were relatively new to practice and I had a file with a lawyer on the other side who was very intimidating, senior to me. She was very aggressive in court. We had a phone call. My my heart was in my chest. <laughs> Pick up the phone. And I, I'm prepared for her to rip right into me right off the phone call. And she goes, well, how was your lunch? Uh, fine. How are you? I, I was outside playing Pokemon Go at lunch. So it was, I was like, what? And then she told me all about her Pokemon Go adventures before we got into the crux of what we were talking about. And it was that the disarming notion of be a person first, which mm. may actually mm. include if you had a real, I could see it, a real barn burner application. And if you were <laughs> sort of friends with someone phoning them up on the phone afterwards and going, wow, you, you really blew it on that one. Uh, I'm spectacular. <laughs> uh, here's my sweet fist pumps, something for sure. And the only way you get there is not by having sincere enemies or people that you're at odds with, which is tough for the sort of issues and sort of matters we deal with, but it's having that professional respect for everyone that you deal with in the court system. And hopefully we can elevate it a little bit. So it is a little bit fun and it isn't life or death because we know for so many people that we represent, of course, this is important. And of course we perform an essential function. So if there is a little bit of uh, lightness and joy with the people we work with, that's a positive thing. I love it. I love it. Well, you, you guys are doing great things. You're offering, you know, great, great, uh, great content and, and uh, really easy to follow steps for people to sort of navigate this, this process, which can be overwhelming and difficult um, for the majority of people. So you're doing great work. Where can people get a hold of you, find you on social media, shout out all your stuff, Sure. connect with you? So our website is divorcedanddone.com and that has the various ways you can find our podcast and stream the podcast. So you can find us on Spotify and iTunes and anywhere you get us. You just search Divorced and Done in your search bar on those platforms. You should find the podcast. We have an Instagram account if you search Divorced and Done. Um, that's sort of in its infancy. Our contact, direct contact information is lawyers, plural, lawyers talking about divorce at gmail.com. And you can submit questions that way or through 
our voicemail message uh, app, I guess, or, or platform is called SpeakPipe, all one word, speakpipe.com slash divorced and done, A-N-D, done. You can leave us up to a 90-second voicemail message, and we might play it on the uh, podcast and address your question that way. So we, we love listener questions. Fantastic. And the podcast airs on, <clears throat> it's on Spotify, and where else is it? Can people Everywhere. Get? Wherever you get podcasts, Everywhere. we hope to be accessible. Excellent. Now, I know you have the Divorced and Done t-shirts. I got to ask, because people are going to want to know, are you going to do Divorced and Done thongs? Oh, like flip flops? No, nope. I, I I don't know who would want this footwear. I, you know what, I'm gonna, I'll to that point, not directly, but I was sitting, and this is this is a Kelowna centric joke, and I don't know if there's something <laughs> akin to Kelowna in Ontario, like in the cottage country, but Kelowna, Niagara on the lake, yeah. Kelowna has this reputation of being Kelowna Fornia, Kelowna Fornia, uh, okay. California. <laughs> Like yeah. anyway, it's, it's this fancy ritzy place. That's not reality, right? It's right on Okanagan, like beautiful city, but it attracts interesting people. One might say sexy people. Mm -hmm. So, um, I, I was joking with someone recently that, you know, it'd be great to have t-shirts out, say fueled by spousal support and Rose. Uh, <laughs> that would be very fitting with, with perhaps the stereotypical culture of Kelowna. Uh, most people that live in Kona are wonderful people. I visit there from time to time, but uh, the notion of having more risque, uh, risque merch, probably not on the immediate horizon. The average <laughs> listener is a fairly tame person uh, for divorced and done, and we're pretty tame guys, but you never know what the future holds. No, hey, never say never. That's right. Everything's an open, open door. Uh, possibilities, <laughs> That's true. <laughs> well, thank you guys so much. I know your time is valuable and I don't want to take up too much of your time, but thank you so much for being on the show with me today and sharing lots of valuable information and some great pieces and background on what you do. I know it's going to be helpful to a lot of people listening and um, people that they know and people that they know that they know. Um, so thank you so much for taking this time to, to do the show with me and uh, keep up the great work, guys. It's great. Thank you for having us on. Yeah. Thank you, Jenny. We really appreciate uh, spending time with you and your audience. Thank you. Uh, so we love feedback on this show. So don't forget to comment, share, subscribe, like, follow, DM me with all your likes and dislikes, the good, the bad, the ugly. We love it all. Thanks so much for joining me again this week. And we'll see you next week on our new post day of Tuesdays because everything is better on a Tuesday. Thanks, everybody. See you. Bye.